It's one of the things we had the opportunity to work with you guys on. You were putting a new machine tool in mm -hmm. and there was a foundation. We were providing steel to support the foundation for the machine Correct. tool. And the hole that was in the ground, there was a full-size excavator inside the building in the hole and it yeah. almost looked like a toy but most of the large machines be, because they'll have a you know a table that can hold 300 tons and and you think about it it's parts that we're machining are, are sometimes 20 feet in diameter we're on like a micron scale right or, or close to that in comparison to the size of the components that we're working with uh, so they have to be very stable piece of equipment they have to be very precise Pr pretty incredible equipment can you just talk about like how important the team you're, you're building is at bwxt uh, we talk a lot about the specialness of the factory and the equipment and all those things, but what really makes us special is our people. Uh, and we have to have the best talent for, for skilled trades, the best talent for engineering. And we've got uh, a, a lot of procedures and policies and, and details that go into uh, the work that we, we perform. And so uh, we want to make sure people take the right time to get that mindset set, uh, correct before they go to work. Hey, Jason Zanger here. You should know more about AMT the Association for Manufacturing Technology. They are the industry representative group that gives us IMTS and more, including bridging the gap between IT and manufacturing at their Silicon Valley AMT Tech Lab, expanding globally through their AMT tech centers in China, India, and Mexico, along with representation in Europe and Brazil. Custom research for strategic planning and member meetups that bring manufacturing leaders together. To join the AMT community, reach out to Chrissy Hahn at AMT at chahn at amtonline.org or discover more at amtonline.org. Welcome to Making Sparks, the podcast where we ignite your passion for metal fabrication and fuel your business success. Join industry leaders and dive deep into the world of metalworking. From business insights to tips of the trade, Making Sparks is your forge of knowledge. During each episode, discover success stories, innovative solutions, and expert interviews that light the path to business growth. Subscribe today and grow and improve your company, and let's make sparks fly together. Welcome back to the Making Sparks podcast. I'm Casey Velker here with Matthew Nix, and we got a special guest today. I got to bring a guest on, um, and it was thanks to LinkedIn, as someone reached out to me. Um, it is Nate Foote, the general manager of BWXT Mount Vernon, um, and I'm going to go ahead and just let him kind of introduce who he is. Well, good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. I uh, appreciate you uh, welcoming me into your show. So as you said, I'm Nate Foote. I'm the general manager of BWXT's Mount Vernon site here in uh, southwest Indiana. Uh, I've been with the company for 15 years and uh, give you a little bit of a, my background, I guess. Um, you know, I've been with the company for a while and, and worked at three of our sites. Uh, I started actually in our Barberton, Ohio uh, facility. Uh, in engineering. Uh, so I have a, a civil engineering degree, actually, which is kind of a strange uh, route to get into manufacturing. Um, but uh, started out in engineering and, and worked uh, worked in that for a little while, worked as a manufacturing engineer, supporting the different processes in our plant, and then uh, stepped into operations and have been there basically the rest of my career. Um, worked in uh, that factory, which is a pressure vessel factory similar to our Mount Vernon location. Uh, was there for about eight years and then uh, moved uh, to our Lynchburg, Virginia location, which is a nuclear fuel component manufacturing facility. Uh, and I was there for a couple of years uh, running a machine shop and then uh, been in Mount Vernon 
for the last uh, about six years now. Uh, and I'm the general manager there now, you know, trying to work to, to grow and develop the site. So uh, it's been been quite a ride. <laughs> yeah. So give us a sense of what that site you know, looks like in terms of headcount, square yeah. footage, and yeah. So, so it's it's a very large manufacturing site right on the Ohio River. Uh, to to give you an idea, over the last five years, we've we've grown from around uh, 300 employees. We're at 460 now, uh, and continuing to grow. Uh, it's a it's a heavy component manufacturing location. So, uh, things that you would see in that factory that are unique uh, compared to other manufacturers. We've, we've got a 500 ton crane system in our main bay that goes out over the Ohio River. In fact, there's two cranes and you can uh, join them together to make a thousand ton component lift uh, onto a barge. Uh, I believe that, is that the, the, the biggest on the Ohio River? Uh, I believe so. It's certainly the, the largest in this region. Um, I think you have to go to like Memphis, Tennessee to find uh, anything on that scale. Uh, so it gives us kind of unique capability for offloading and onloading barges and uh, some services that we can provide to to others in industry. Yeah. For those of you that haven't seen that and just to visualize what a thousand ton crane looks like going out over the river. I mean, it's absolutely massive. I mean, <laughs> many, many football fields yeah, could go yeah. inside this thing. And I can't imagine the foundations that yeah, go, that go yeah. into it. To the columns on this, thing. pretty incredible, and and it's it's a factory that um, you know it, it started in the in the 1960s. It was actually designed for uh, commercial nuclear component manufacturing. So uh, in nuclear heyday in the U.S., as we were trying to build out the the infrastructure for nuclear power, um, you know this was this was really a special design factory for heavy component manufacturing. So, and I think about a nuclear reactor. Uh, the, the biggest parts are, are like pressure vessels that, that, uh, in, encapsulate the reactor, uh, uh, they're kind of shielding and also, uh, containment for the pressure inside of a reactor. So, um, so extremely large, uh, hardware, uh, things that you wouldn't really see in conventional manufacturing locations. Well, how tall is that building? I've walked through it before and it's, it, yeah. it, it blows your mind. You have to yeah. kind of look for things sometimes <laughs> to give you some perspective of. Yeah, so size. so it's kind of hard to describe. It basically, like you said, the the size of the footprint of that factory, it, just that one main building, which we've we've got several large large manufacturing bays, but the largest is many football fields in length, uh, and uh, you have somewhere on a hundred feet uh, of overhead. Uh, so there's there's probably close to to eighty five ninety feet under crane. Uh, so we have significant overhead uh, overhead height um, for very large machines, large uh, large parts that we pick up and move around in the factory. Uh, so it's it's a it's a unique place, and it's it's kind of challenging to describe, actually. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just to again put it in perspective for folks, one of the things we had the opportunity to work with you guys on, you were putting a new machine tool in, mm -hmm. and there was a foundation, and we were providing steel to support the foundation for the machine Correct. tool, and the hole that was in the ground. There was a full size excavator inside the building in the hole, and it yeah. almost looked like a toy. Yeah, and yeah. That and was just the hole for the foundation for right. the machine that's inside the building. Yeah, and so, so I mean, it, most of the large machines, be, because they'll have a you know a table that can hold three hundred tons, and and you think about it, it's um, you know the parts that we're machining are are sometimes twenty feet in diameter uh, or, or thereabouts, and and they can hold a tolerance of of you know close to five thousandths of an inch. Uh, so, so we're, we're on like a micron scale, right. Or, or close to that, uh, in comparison to the size of the components that we're working with. Uh, so they have to be very stable piece of equipment. They have to have to be very precise. And so we put foundations in for them that, that go down to bedrock and they're independent of the, the factory floor. So, uh, pr pretty incredible equipment. Yeah, absolutely. Casey, 
We forgot something. I know my dad joke. I was just waiting. You uh, <laughs> you're dressed like a dad joke Thanks, today man. too. Like, <laughs> right, you look like uh, you're ready to go. Man. Yeah, at least he's color coordinated. Yeah. You want to get into deer hunting with me? I, I like to say it's a safety orange, so people don't run over me when I'm walking behind a fork truck. Yeah, with so a if camera. you're listening today and you're not watching on video, Casey's got this checkered plaid high vis orange shirt on and his high vis orange hat on as well. So. <laughs> you want to know where I got this plaid shirt from? It was a hand-me-down for my 10-year-old nephew. <laughs> He's a big kid. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What, what do you got for okay. us today? So I think this is a good one because you like sports. You like sports, Nate? Yeah, I'm into sports. All right. All right here's yeah, a good sure. one. All right. Why do all the farm animals, they don't want to want to play sports with uh, the pigs? I don't know why. Because pigs are ball hogs. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good one today. We'll bad. see what uh, what kind of clap you get from the editors. Yeah. So we had that. <laughs> They'll just cut it out. We yeah. asked the editors, <laughs> like we said, uh, if it's if it's a really good dad joke, you do like the roar applause, yeah. and then if it's like mediocre, you do like a golf clap, like a yeah. slow golf clap. And if it's really bad, just put like the boo. Yeah. Like, boo. <laughs> so I'll we'll see what they give you on that. One. We'll see. Oh, you suck. We don't. Yeah. Tell, <laughs> we don't tell them which which sound effect. Okay? Yeah, I'll, I'll try not to get us uh, any more booze today. Yeah, yeah thanks. Yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Yeah. Because I'll probably get a few. <laughs> so, Nate, the equipment that you guys are using, projects you guys are working on, these big, you know, audacious projects, I would imagine that you probably have a good criteria on who you need to hire and you probably go after some top talent. Uh, can you just talk about like how important um, the team you're, you're building is at BWXT? Uh, we talk a lot about the specialness of the factory and the equipment and all those things, but what really makes us special is our people. Uh, and we have to have uh, the best, right? The best talent for for skilled trades, the best talent for engineering. I like to think we've got pretty good leadership at the site too. Um, uh, but but the the reality is we're on a on a very important mission, and so the work that we do in that factory is supporting the the U.S. Navy, right? So the the majority of the hardware that we build. Uh, the, the pressure vessels, the steam generators that we're manufacturing go into uh, the, the power systems for aircraft carriers and submarines for the U.S. Navy. So uh, just to imagine what that means, um, you know, it means that we've got exacting tolerances, uh, extremely high quality standards. Uh, and so, so the work that we do is to exacting standards. Um, the, the reactor plants that, that we provide to the Navy have to be in service for, for the life of these boats, right? So 40 plus years in service. In fact, aircraft carriers, the components that we provide are, are 50 plus years in service and they go through a refueling cycle midlife. So these things, they, they have to work exactly right all the time for their entire life. And you can't have, uh, hiccups or, or quality issues that are going to, they're going to impact the, uh, the capability of their systems. So when we bring people in, um, you know, we obviously are looking for the, the best talent, but the starter for that is having the right attitudes. Um, you know, so we, we look a, a around the country, uh, you know, for, uh, for skilled, skilled, capable people uh, in all the disciplines that we hire for um, that will come to work with the right mindset. Uh, come to work thinking about quality uh, of the components, thinking about their safety and the safety of those around them. Uh, making sure that that they get their work done correctly each time, and and so sometimes you know we we hear a lot uh, you know people that walk through the factory, it, it feels like things move slowly or or progress slowly. It's because we want to get it right, and so you you take a lot of time to get your thought processes in order, 
uh, and get your your process set right before you go to work each day. Um, and we've got uh, a, a lot of procedures and policies and, and details that go into uh, the work that we we perform. And so uh, we want to make sure people take the right time to get that uh, get that mindset set uh, correct before they go to work. Um, so um, you know, we from a talent perspective. Uh, you know, we're hiring. Obviously, we've been growing. I mentioned, you know, adding uh, numerous people. We're, we're kind of tracking toward uh, 550 or 600 people over the next the next couple of years. Uh, so we've been on a significant growth ramp because the demand uh, for Navy shipbuilding has gone up. And so uh, it's important for us to, to continue looking for that right talent. Um, we've actually found that uh, the best way to do that is is find local talent as much as we can. Um, you know, we've we've gone through uh, through uh, times where we brought in, uh, you know, people from around the country. Uh, if they're the right type of people and the right uh, the right mindset, right attitude, um, they, they make a good fit. Uh, but homegrown talent has always been uh, always been the best. So we're working on programs uh, where we you know, we can hire from uh, local uh, local pools of talent, uh, local skilled trades, uh, local engineering students. Um, and wherever we need to, we'll, we'll send them for training or development or provide them that training. Uh, many times that's, that's done on site. Uh, and in some cases, uh, like we've, we've built partnerships with programs like ATDM. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's the Accelerated Training Defense Manufacturing. Uh, right now it's located in Danville, Virginia. And so things that we can do with that will bring in, uh, l- let's say, less skilled trades, uh, people that have the right attitude, want to go to work. Uh, want to do things right, but maybe don't have all of the skills that that they need as a welder or a machinist, uh, uh, QC specialist or NDT, uh, and they also have programs for additive manufacturing. We'll send them to this accelerated training program for four months, and then we'll bring them back, and they're ready to to upgrade into their next you know next level qualifications. So uh, something you talked about off camera was uh, you guys are either getting you're getting ready to do a program with a local high school. Um, just tell us a little bit about that and, and why you think that's important. Sure. You know, I, I mentioned local talent. Uh, so one of the things that that we found is important is engagement in your community. Um, you know, for us, we've done that in many ways, right? Partnerships with uh, with E-Rep uh, here in Evansville uh, or, you know, local economic development uh, partnerships, things like that. Um, volunteerism and, and outreach programs. Uh, but but recently we've uh, been working with the local high school on initiating a, a welding program that's really designed to take uh, you know, students who are interested in the trades, uh, but maybe don't have uh, an opportunity to go to a trade school right away, uh, or maybe would need to go uh, away to a community college uh, to, to start getting their skills and bring that uh, that skills building into the high school earlier uh, so that they have opportunities to learn how to become a welder specifically this is a welding program, uh, how to become a welder while they're, while they're still in high school. And so what we're trying to do is uh, create opportunities for uh, local high school students so they can get into the trades programs right out of high school. And so, you know, for us, it's uh, obviously there's benefit in it. Um, you know, if we can identify talent earlier, uh, we can also show them that there's an opportunity to come to work for us uh, right out of high school. Uh, or uh, to to get them into an opportunity where they see welding as uh, as a great career opportunity, and they could choose to go to community college or go to a uh, trades uh, trades program somewhere, and this gets them a, a leg up in that. Yeah. Hey everyone, this is Adam Schmidt with ProFab Alliance. I'm here to bring you your spark of knowledge for this episode. Let's talk about strategic planning. You know, any business 
can and should do strategic planning. It doesn't matter if you have a three-person shop or if you have 150 employees, you need to do strategic planning. We're all human and nobody's perfect and we all get distracted. But if we've got that end goal in mind with our vision, you know, we've got to have a, a clear path to reach that and strategic planning can serve as that path. You know, a single piece of paper can do the trick. To get the most out of strategic plan, it's who's involved. Make sure everybody has a voice in the plan. You know, the ideas that are generated through, you know, just brainstorming sessions. It'll spark a thought in somebody else and it'll turn out to be at the end something that's great that could change the course of your business. Get out a scratch piece of paper, write your goals down, think about how you're going to measure them throughout the year. And then with that, you got to actually go back and measure yourself. With strategic planning, if you start with that single piece of paper, figure out what you liked from that uh, that year. What lessons did you learn? Where did you mess up? Improve for the next year. You got to trust the process. You know, you're not going to see results overnight. If you're diligent about keeping track, you know, keeping that scorecard, learning from that scorecard, making adjustments along the way to to keep that improvement. You know, you're going to notice year over year results from strategic planning. But overall, the main thing that you got to remember is you just got to get something put down on paper. Um, Keep that with you and you got to keep that scorecard and check the results. When we're thinking about recruiting, you know, one of the things that comes to mind for me is in our organization, we're really big on like, I appreciate what you're saying about attitude and I'm big on attitude mindset. You know, those are the kinds of things we look for. And and so I really focus on like we have a slogan, uh, work that matters. And we talk a lot about that. I preach that within our organization and we use it as a social media hashtag and uh, really want people that connect the meaning and purpose uh, behind their work. And so I'm curious you know, the work you guys do, it's not hard to find meaning and purpose in that. I mean, if you're a a patriotic person at all, or you just Mm -hmm. like care about your general security of this country, it's pretty important work what you do. Um, Some would say it's, you know, of the most importance, but uh, I I like to say that. So how, tell us a little bit about how do you, or do you, do you play on that with recruiting and, and what are some things like, specific things what are some specific things you would do to leverage that for recruiting because one of the things i tell people about recruiting is you have to be authentic like it can't just be a you know me too kind of thing like it has to be you know what what what's working for casey might not work for me or you like we have to what is unique about our organization and let's you know let's pound that drum over and over well and i and i think uh, people can sniff that out if you're not being authentic. Oh yeah, right? people smell the BS a mile away. <laughs> yeah. And so the things that come to mind for me, like if I was recruiting for you, it would be the massive part size. Like yeah. some people are going to be attracted to that. Some people are going to be totally intimidated by that. And what you want to do is weed those people out right away and yeah. and, and focus on that. And then some people are drawn to the the critical nature of what you do. And then some people would you know, be detracted yeah, by that. Yeah. So those are the things that come to mind. Well, well, obviously we, we want people to be uh, encouraged and interested and engaged in the work that we're doing. I mean, I, I think the, the, the easy uh, leg up that I get is, is I can, I can go out and tell people there is no other place in the world that you get to do the things that we do. Right. Um, no one else in the world is supplying these types of components to the U S Navy. Uh, so from a, from a mission critical nature or uh, you know, from a, a tie to a mission, uh, that's that's a pretty easy sales pitch, and you know the Navy Navy helps me out with that, um, and the business does. So, 
I, I think we can easily key in on those things. And, and we obviously, when we go out and we, we talk to people about opportunities within our business, uh, we try to strike a chord on why we're unique um, and, and, you know, why we're not just traditional manufacturing, right? Why we look for special types of talent, special types of attitude. Um, and we don't want people to be intimidated by it, but sometimes that, that, that takes uh, some initiative on, on both our part and theirs to, to come in and try their hand at it and we'll help get them there. Um, the skills that you need in in our work are very similar uh, to to the skills you would have in any manufacturing environment. Um, sometimes it takes a, a little more, right, or a little more advancement um, or development of those skills, uh, just because of the importance of the work that we're we're doing. So, for example, uh, with a machinist, right, we want machinists to have experience in in other work. Uh, machinists that have you know, traditional machining uh, capability or understand programming or, you know, the CNC controls for, for machines. We have very similar things are just on a grander scale and you have parts on your machines that are, are maybe more, uh, more expensive, more critical, uh, from a quality perspective. And so, uh, we take that very seriously when we want our employees to, to think it through, right? You don't just have a, a run of a hundred parts in a day. You have one part that you'll you'll machine for uh, maybe uh, could be days or months uh, at a time, and getting that those set, that set of features correct is critical to allowing that to process uh, to its completion. Um, and so you can't have uh, mistakes uh, that are that are simple to to correct or simple to prevent um, because those will really slow you down and and really impact the uh, the ability of our of our team to um, to deliver our hardware on time. And so. Uh, so we think a lot about that. Um, but from a, a recruiting perspective, um, you know, I, I think if, if we go out and we talk to whether it's high school or, or college students or people out in public that are looking for a, a change, uh, you know, a change of career, um, you know, we have advancement opportunities. Uh, you know, there's lots of opportunity to grow within our factory. Uh, obviously, as we're, we're adding headcount and, and uh, trying to grow the business, trying to grow the site. Uh, there's going to be opportunity for people to to um, you know to to see growth in their particular careers, uh, you know, go from one level to the next and advance uh, in their their line of work, or to try their hand at something different. Um, you know, we also uh, talk a lot about uh, you know what it is that we're providing, right? Um, you know, the the U.S. Navy needs to 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 continue delivering more submarines, more aircraft carriers. Uh, you know, the Navy shipbuilding plan says we want 355 plus ships and we're not there. Uh, so we need to move quicker. Uh, so that means more hardware, uh, faster deliveries for us. Uh, and being able to talk to people about the mission that the Navy's on uh, and and help them understand that we're on that mission with the Navy. Right. We're the, we're here to deliver parts for them. We're here to uh, help advance uh, the nation's defense. Uh, I mean, if you can't get behind that, right, what are you going to get behind? Right. So, um, so that, that makes it uh, a little simpler for us to have that conversation. Sure. Some things that, that I'm thinking about, and I want our audience to, to understand and visualize when I was talking about specifics, I've noticed your billboards mm -hmm. don't typically, you know, like they're recruiting billboards. Yeah. You're not out putting up billboards to sell work. Uh, so they're recruitment billboards, sure. but they don't show anything. They don't have welding on them. They don't have any machining on them. They, they have very few words, frankly, mm -hmm. but there'll be like a, a visual of a submarine yeah. on the billboard. <laughs> and yeah. there's always some kind of slogan that goes with it. But yeah. that's, that's very specific and targeted. Like you're, you're yeah. the person that drives by the billboard and sees the submarine and is interested in that, man, sure. I wonder what that place does. Like 
you're already filtering out yeah. the, the, the people that are attracted to that or don't care about that. Yeah, I so. mean, we, we want people to, to feel they can find purpose in a career with our business. Um, billboards in Evansville for selling nuclear reactors probably won't, won't you know, go a long way to, to helping our business. There's not a lot of people out in the market for those. So. You don't think so? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, Commercial I, I think, reactors are making a resurgence, though. They, they are. They are. And, and I, I mean, that's, that's, that's a business we're, right. yeah, we're certainly interested in, right? Um, uh, as BWXT, broader BWXT, not necessarily the, the nuclear operations uh, group, uh, you know, the, the work that we do is, is uh, almost solely focused on, on naval nuclear. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we want people to understand, uh, what we can tell them, right. The, the things that we can publicize, we want them to come in thinking, Hey, this, this may be the right mission for me to, to be a part of. I'm interested in that. I'm driven by that. Uh, if you want to be a part of the nation's defense, this is a great place to do it. You know, we, we hire, uh, a lot of veterans, um, and it's a point of pride for us. Um, yeah. We, we, we like having people in our factory that can speak to the mission, right? And they can talk to their coworkers and they can say, hey, as a, as a teammate here, you know, I served on one of these one of these boats or ships or I've been in the military and I can tell you the importance of uh, of the work that we do here. Um, that that certainly helps. I'll have to ask my dad. My dad was in the Navy and he many times on a submarine and uh, he doesn't really tell me much about it. Uh, one thing I know is he doesn't drink alcohol now and he always says it's because he drank too much when he was in the Navy. So. <laughs> That's cool. I didn't know that about your dad. Yeah, yeah, That's really cool. He, uh, he volunteers on the LST now. So like he's oh, retired. Great, yeah. So he's down there at least once a week, if not mm-hmm. two or three times. And he's always down there. They're like they're like mopping the floors and like they're yeah. all like everybody that works at the LST is all volunteers. So it's really well, other than like, that's the really cool. We should have had, should have had him here too. That would be great. He helped but, put up these, uh, yeah, it's neat. I mean, our region has a lot, of, a, a lot of guy that was on a submarine and the yeah. guy that helps build the submarines <laughs> on the same podcast. Yeah, any anytime I get a chance to interact with people who have served uh, on a on an uh, aircraft carrier submarine, it you know it's 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 great for me. It's a good experience and uh, good to hear their stories. And it kind of uh, ties us back to the purpose. Do, do yeah, you guys absolutely. do any like uh, tours or anything for like? veterans just I, this is just kind of random but i was like man i, I could see my dad being yeah. like oh that'd be really cool to walk around i know that there's probably stuff that you don't want to show right but. well we, we'd love to i mean you know the the thing about the line of work that we're in is is the information that we have in our factory it's owned by the u.s government the u.s navy and so it's not something we can really publicly share uh, so we can't do public tours but certainly anytime there's an opportunity for business purpose to have a have a veteran on site it's uh it's a good good opportunity you know we try to bring in um uh, Navy officials or, uh, you know, people who are, are active, uh, in the, in the U S Navy, uh, to come in and just, again, retie to the mission, you know, work with our employees or talk to them about, about the importance of their work. Hey, metalworking nation, Jason Zenger here. Do you know, I operate on NetSuite, the ERP, when you need one source of truth for all of your data, your CRM, your accounting, your operations, everything. If this is you, you should know these three numbers, 36,000, 25, and 1. 36,000, that's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. One, because your business is one of a kind, so you get customized solution for all of your KPIs in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage your risk, 
get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need all in one place. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash chips. That's netsuite.com slash chips to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash chips. Do it now. And speaking of the sensitive nature of, of what you guys do, I just thought this was kind of interesting too. I think the audience would, would enjoy it, but uh, we, I can go in there, you know, because we do work in there, but mm-hmm. for starters, they put a piece of tape over my backup camera. Of course, I, <laughs> yeah. I turn my cell mm-hmm. phone in before I go on site. Mm-hmm. It's a real pain in the butt when we have guys working <laughs> on site down there and mm-hmm. you know, we can't, we yeah. can't reach them. You're saying we wouldn't be able to do any marketing videos there? No marketing videos yeah. at Nate's place. <laughs> yeah, we, but, we, we can get you enough to help out. Yeah, send, yeah. send you the the uh, canned videos that we've taken. Yeah, yeah. the ones that are cleared <laughs> already. Yep. But anyway, so yeah, no tape the backup camera, no phones, all that jazz. And then you get in there. But then when you're in there, there's just sort of the normal stuff going on. But then even beyond that, there was an area that, that they were working on a new part or something. And it's completely closed off with like, you know, some kind of a makeshift wall to hide yeah. that. And I don't know, maybe so, that was something new going on. Yeah, some, sometimes even some employees uh, in there maybe can't see it, right? Is that true? Well, it's so, so typically the work that we do, um, you know, if it, like we have to protect it from uh, release of information. So, you know, we'll, we'll put up, uh, you know, barriers or those things. Like, for instance, if we have to bring a foreign national on site or, or that sort of thing, just not giving them visual access to the work that we're doing in the other areas of the plant. It's uh a uh, typical secured facility, you know, not to get into the details of the work that's going on inside the plant, but um, it's unique. Some of the security requirements that we have to work through, um, it can be challenging, but it's but it's a unique challenge and it's worth uh, supporting because of the the importance of the work that we do. Maybe you can answer this. Maybe you can't. But do, are you guys do you have any participation in anything uh in the mission towards Mars, is BWXT involved in that in any way, shape, or form? Yeah, so so broadening out a little bit, right? Our our site is uh, is naval nuclear primarily, um, but but BWXT more broadly is involved in in many uh, unique uh, or niche nuclear markets. Um, uh, the the thing you're referring to, um, we've got a, a group within BWXT. Uh, we call it Advanced Technologies. It's basically a, a team that works on. Uh, uh, kind of um, uh, new uh, or novel uh, micronuclear uh, systems, so reactors that can be used for uh, space applications, uh, terrestrial power applications, uh, things like forward operating bases for the for the U.S. military. Um, so you think about uh, uh, you know where where places uh, uh, exist that we don't have easy access to power. Um, and uh, we can supply uh, in the future uh, these systems that will allow you to have those power systems wherever you need them. So, so space applications are, are certainly one of the things that we're working on. Uh, and you may have seen uh, some of our public releases that, that kind of give you a sense. We've got reactor development underway um, that, that would ultimately be used as uh, either power systems for uh, transiting, uh, you know, uh, from low Earth orbit uh, into deeper space, uh, transiting to Mars, uh, or or providing power while in space. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, very very unique opportunities there. <laughs> uh, again, our audience is leaders in the fabrication industry and in the manufacturing machining and stuff like that, but primarily fabrication. And some of the things that we've talked about in the past, but I would love to hear you when you're when you're talking about mission critical processes and things like that, uh, how important is it that you guys 
commit to processes and having processes in your facility. Um, and you know, what can you say to that? Yeah, to? let's reframe. Yeah. I like that question. Let's reframe it a little bit. Cause I think sure. how, how critical it is, is obvious. obvious. I mean, it's yeah. everything, but I think what it would be cool to hear is what are some, some actionable or concrete steps that you guys take to ensure that the, the processes are followed and yeah. adhered to, because I, frankly, I think it's something we're struggling with in our own company with growing yeah. pains. Right. And so, you know, when it's, and maybe it's a little easier when everybody knows the consequence that this isn't right. But but you still yeah. have to there have to be just like before the airplane takes off, they have a checklist they go through and you just do it every single time, no matter what. So talk yeah. to us a little bit about that. Well, and how do you integrate that into the culture of sure, the organization? Sure. I, I think um, so, so you mentioned it right in, in manufacturing. Consistency of process is very important. Uh, right. You need repeatability in order to ensure success. Uh, th things like welding, right? You, you go through a, a qualification of the procedure, uh, and you say, "Here are the parameters that we're going to set around this, the you know, this welding process in the future, and it needs to be followed each time until we authorize a change to that process." Um, you know, so so basically, uh, giving a, a firm set of parameters for a particular process that are going to be followed each time, documenting that, uh, providing it to the next person that's going to run that process. Um, you know, so, some things that, uh, that, uh, you know, that we do, um, each of our processes are documented on, on paper or in a, in a system where, uh, we've got it written down here, are the instructions on, on how the process is to be run and the parameters that you're going to follow. Uh, we try to do things for uh, machining. We have a set program. We lock that program in and we say, this is the way it's going to be run next time, unless there's a, a specific change that we make. And then we test that out. Um, so, uh, so there's a lot of, um, a lot of work done up front, uh, for most of our processes where we would generate the process initially, test it, uh, lock it in so that it is consistently performed in the future. And then if you want to modify that process, you would, you would go back through that same, that same, uh, you know, series of here's the thing we want to change. Let's test it and ensure it's going to work. And then we would, we would lock that in. Okay. Wherever we can, we automate. Wherever we're unable to automate or it's not uh, cost effective to do so or uh, it's a process doesn't make sense to automate, you would you would then put engineered controls around it. So uh, that way it's basically following a repeatable process each time. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure you guys do uh, much of the same uh, where you can on on processes that are going to be repeated as well. Yeah, I think one of and we certainly do. I think one of the challenges we run into is that. You know, we our variability mm -hmm. of what we do is changing so frequently yeah. that, you know, it allows the, the standardization could and probably should be there to some degree. But it allows the break in that because it's like, well, this is something different. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe it is. But 80 percent of what we're doing is still the same. Yeah. And I think I think we we see a lot of that as well. I mean, the training programs are, are vitally important. We, we use a, a training program. It's it's called SOJT. It's structured on the job training. Uh, where we have basically a call it a checklist, if you will, of here are all the items that we we want you to be trained on as you come into this uh, into this uh, scope of work or this this job description, and that helps uh, making sure that everybody's getting similar training or consistent training. Having documented training programs is important, uh, and then just really continuously investing in the individuals. Um, we certainly have uh, some people in our plant that are very experienced, highly experienced, and then you have. You know, people who have been probably twenty percent of my workforce has been less than twelve months on the job because we're in a in a hiring and growth mode. So making sure that we have ways to capture the knowledge and experience from the the more experienced employees to transfer that and translate it to uh, new employees is important. 
I was going to say, I think we're running out of time. Yeah, I had a couple questions I want to ask you at right. the end. So we're Go ready, ahead. ready for that. Yeah. yeah, you do it. So just some fun ones here. So mm-hmm. I want to know uh, what's keeping you up at night sure. and what are you most excited about? Okay, well, I, I don't know that that first one's a fun question necessarily. Uh, it was fun th- for Matthew. Yeah. <laughs> it can, th- things that hypothetically. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, as a, as a leader in manufacturing, right, uh, first thing that always uh, you think about what keeps you up at night, it's the things that make you nervous, right? Um, safety uh, of our employees, uh, right? We've got a, a great safety track record and our employees uh, are very diligent about their work, but uh, there's always more you can do to make it better. And, and so, uh, so I think about that a lot. Think about the improvements of the processes. Growth of our workforce is certainly something that, that keeps me up, uh, right? Trying to come up with new ways to, to recruit good talent, new ways to help our, our team uh, learn, grow, develop, uh, and, and trying to come up with whatever unique opportunities we can, we can come up with to, to grow the team. Um, so those are the sorts of things that really keep me up at night. Cool. So what are you most excited about? Uh, so there's a lot of things to be excited about in, in our business, um, right? The demands from, from the Navy are, are huge and, and we got to do everything we can to support them. Uh, I get excited about continuing to see our team grow, uh, and get better. Uh, I'm excited about the future of, of heavy manufacturing, the future of, uh, our nation's defense, uh, the future of our business, right? We talked about some, some things that are, are maybe not just, uh, naval nuclear reactors, but, uh, new applications for reactors, um, I'm, I'm just, there's, there's a lot of things to be excited about in our business. Very, very, very interesting business. Uh, awesome. Awesome to learn about it. Yeah. I think, uh, obviously, you know, we, we try to keep these episodes pretty yeah. condensed, uh, but we may have to have you come back on and talk more specifically sure. about certain, certain areas of the business and, and things like that. But thanks Nate for, you know, Coming all the way over to Poseyville, Indiana, yeah. <laughs> uh, from sure. you know a little bit bigger Mount Vernon. Yeah. <laughs> um, but to our listeners, you know, thanks for continuing to listen to us. Uh, if you like this episode, rate it, review it, uh, share it with uh, anybody you think that would find value. I'm going to share it with my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm going to share it to my. I have six brothers and sisters. I'll probably just yeah. send it. I haven't sent them any of our episodes actually, but this one I will. I'll send to them <laughs> and say, hey, uh, yeah. if you guys didn't know, we you know we're doing a podcast, and you guys should listen to this since you know. They're making some pretty cool naval things. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the opportunity. Yep. Thanks, Nate.